Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, everybody? This is the Tuck and Tactics Podcast. My name is Daniel. It's your boy, Double H. It's Carl Anker. Hey, everyone. We do this podcast every Tuesday. Remember to follow us on social media, Twitter, Talking Tactics, Facebook, Talking Tactics 352, SoundCloud, Talking Tactics. What else? If you're on Spotify, follow us. If you're on an Apple device, subscribe. It's free. Leave us a five-star review, and we will read it on the show. If you're a Patreon, you will get your 30 to 40 minutes of Talking Tactics Extra whenever you feel like looking at it. And we encourage everybody to become a Patreon. There's good content over there. You'll enjoy it. Um, right here, I'm going to leave a clip of this week's Talking Tactics Extra. Check this out, and we'll be back in a bit. I mean, one thing I will say, though, is that I was in, when I was in Nigeria one time, a guy handed my, my driver a bottle. And on the bottle, there were about nine or ten things that said that this liquid could cure. So this is Nigeria, you know. So, again, I don't know whether you want to believe in that, but... People have a liquid where it can cure about 10, 15 things. And that liquid is super moth. Yeah, so for $3 um, a month, you get three or four, no, four or five, depending on how many weeks there are in a month. Um, So this month might be five. I don't know. I haven't looked, but um, it's a good deal for $3 a month. You get Talking Tactics Extra. There are other tiers, so I encourage everyone to go look. Do you guys have anything coming out this week? Carl, you're going to be on TV. You're going to be doing what? I'm going to be on CNN this week. So on Wednesday, I'll be. you can find me on CNN on their sports program, recapping the big standout stories from uh, the midweek Premier League fixtures. And I'll most likely be having to explain why Manchester United can't beat Wolves because life Okay, damn. All right. And uh double H is making big moves, man. Making big moves, man. Double H, what's 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 going on with Supermart, bro? <laughs> Look, man. I mean, where do I even begin? So basically, I've just and this just started as a joke, you know. So obviously, you know, like I, I drink quite a lot of supermalt and everything. And um I just just as a joke, I just said, you know, man, come on, supermalt needs to sponsor me because I like drinking supermalt. Then you know, forward from um the hangouts. He then put out this tweet saying, yo, man, why don't you sponsor my boy, Half Hope, blah, blah, blah. And suddenly, it just started to take hits. People were liking it, retweeting, liking, retweeting and everything. And people were responding to it. And then just by just how Twitter works, there was a lot of, obviously, mentions with the Supermodel name. And then people began to actually tweet to Supermodel and say, hey, man, the Half Hope, man, he's great analysis. He loves your drink. He should sponsor with everything. And then, boom, Supermodel just sends us this tweet says, hey, send us a DM. And I was like, what? <laughs> So yeah, so I sent them the a DM and they said that um, they'll send me some bottles and then maybe we, they and then they, they will have me in, in mind for 
future things that they're working on. So you getting yeah. balls? Supermodel send me balls every now and again too. Eh, with the, with yeah. the supermodel bodies, man. Supermodel good. Drink supermodel. Uh, also drink supermodel with uh, condensed milk. It's lovely. All right, so let's start the podcast. Um, Anfield. What did you see in the Spurs Liverpool game? Um, I saw that um, Sissoko is the worst striker of the ball. Like that has to be one of the funniest moments this season. The two on one with Sissoko Ali against Van Dyke and Van Dyke literally hogging Ali and saying to Sissoko, "Go ahead, shoot," because I know that's you know your. I'm pretty your, sure. Was it Ali? I thought it was Son. Was it Son? I'm pretty sure it's Son. Okay, it might have been. So basically, I'm not sure. Basically, whoever it was on the side. Van Dyke was actually like hogging him, saying, Sissoko, go ahead, one-on-one, shoot. It's one of those things that is one part amazing defending from Virgil van Dyke to mm. two parts, maybe four parts, oh, Musa Sissoko, what are you doing? And it's the thing about Sissoko. Sissoko has had a great 2018-19 season. Mm. He has defied all... very important for Tottenham, very important. Defied all expectation for Tottenham Hotspur. This guy... I've, I've slandered this man repeatedly on this podcast. I still believe that that man cost France Euro 2016. Oh, yeah. His brick-like performance in, in the final. What? Suzuko was one of the best players in that final. No, no. We've, 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 yes, no, yes. I've, no, I've, no, I've said this before. I've said this before on this podcast. Deschamps was a fool because his game plan is I want to make Pogba sit deep so Suzuko can bomb forward when he should have done something else entirely and had a more orthodox number six and told Pogba to bomb forward. Suzoko can't shoot, as we just found out. Suzoko is not one of the better people in that guy in that game because he was bombing forward constantly and making shots. If it was good, he'd have scored and France would have won. He's a brick. He's a, he's a useful brick, but he's a brick. He's a useful, he's brick. A useful brick, but he's a brick. Yeah, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll take that. He's a deluxe brick, an executive yeah. brick. Uh, Newcastle fans will often say that Suzoko was terrible unless the game was televised. But then the joke was obviously he went to Spurs, was awful. But this season he's been legitimately, quantifiably good. Released from uh, playing on the right wing and moved into a more central midfield role. Suzoko has started more games than he's anyone ever expected him to start for Tottenham Hotspur. And his thing is basically win the ball, give it to someone else. That's someone else normally being Christian Eriksen. And that has worked. On on this counter-attack, that counter-attack, that two-on-one they had, against Liverpool is everything you want Suzoko to do. You want him to win the ball on the edge of his defensive third, bring the ball up f- forward to the attacking third, and then what you want Suzoko to do is give it to someone else. Suzoko shouldn't be taking shots. He's supposed to give the ball no. to someone else. And I, what Van Dijk did, well, what people are saying Van Dijk did, and I want to give I want to give some credit to Van Dijk, but I also want to make people understand Suzoko is bad at the things he's bad at. Um, is that Van Dijk knew that Suzoko wanted to give the ball over the Sun and basically cut off that yeah. channel until mm-hmm. the last possible moment. And then when it became very apparent Suzoko ha- had no other option to shoot, Van Dijk was pretty smart in making sure Suzoko got the shot off with his weaker left foot. And I think this is this is something that is also un- un- understated about that two-on-one, is that Suzoko took that shot on his left foot. Yes, a Premier League midfielder for a top-six club She'd have a better weak foot than that, but yikes. <laughs> okay, yeah, just, just I, I wasn't expecting to have like a three-minute conversation on Suzuka when I asked you about the game. <laughs> well, no, 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 that was a huge moment in the in the game. It's like, like the first thing, let's just let's talk about Euros 2016. Let's just go on in about Suzuka. Well, okay. No, 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 because like the best one line I think we've ever had on this podcast was Raj Baines, who said 
uh, Suzuko's second touch is always a tackle. That was that, that, that was that's probably like the best one liner I think we've had on this podcast. <laughs> he said his second touch is always a tackle. Shout out Raj. Raj Bain is in four four two today, explaining why Suzuko needs to be sold in in the summer. So <laughs> that will uh, explain what that guy's head is at right now. The thing about like the Liverpool Spurs game, it truly underlined how important Liverpool's fullbacks are to their system because they have no orthodox number 10. They have no one to to really break the lines from their midfield three. It's very important that Trent Alexander-Arnold and Andrew Robertson provide width and crosses and supply. Spurs went up with a 3-5-2 idea, but they basically just got hemmed in and ended up playing a 5-3-2 because Robertson and Alexander-Arnold were so good for Liverpool in the, in the first 30 minutes. Robertson's cross... For Firmino's header was just pitch perfect. But it was only in basically the last 10 minutes of the first half and then the second half where Tottenham changed to a 4-4-1-1 formation of sorts when Spurs started really getting into the game because they have they have a superior midfield to Liverpool at the moment. That midfield, Liverpool midfield three is diligent and workmanlike and doesn't have the the creators like Delhi or Christian Eriksen. And it Do we know when Oxford Chamberlain's coming back? Sorry to cut you. Uh, okay, yeah, he's, back in, he's, back, he's, he's back, back in training. Okay, he said he'd like to come back now. Um, he basically played under 23 game, and Klopp basically said, Where's the effect of mate? You're not ready yet. So, basically, this whole season is he's not going to be right. So, next you season, you shouldn't. You shouldn't. He, I, I said this, I said this during the injury that he's probably going to miss all of this season because you know, you know, I've, we spoke a lot of time talking about ACL on this podcast. Mm. Maybe, maybe he'll get two or three games. But you've got to bear in mind, if you're playing a Jurgen Klopp midfield, you want to be able to run at least 10 kilometers a game. Yeah. You really want to run 10 kilometers a game on an ACL that's still healing? Nah. You were talking about the, the limitations of the midfield before. Yeah, I yeah. So, so Spurs began to control the game with their midfield three. Credit to Harry Kane for whipping that ball from the quick free kick to Kieran Trippett's set up Lucas's goal. And, and you know, Spurs, Spurs that up. No, 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 no. Tottenham messed up. No, they, they, they should have won. They should have won. But like the the own goal finish. I mean, come on. Like that's that's Spurs, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> that's some. Does anyone know how many points this has dropped in the last few games? It has to be in double figures in probably like the last fifteen points. It's got to be at least ten. It like is. Their, their their form chart is not gonna. It's gonna be a lot of red dots. Yeah, they since February. So basically, since the return of Harry Kane, they haven't won away from home. Wow. As we're recording, we're currently watching Arsenal versus Newcastle. If Arsenal win this game, they go third and above Tottenham. Tottenham have lost four consecutive away games and they're only one point ahead of Chelsea in sixth and they still have to play Manchester City. So, uh, Double H, what, what else did you see? Um, is Salah selfish? I know what you're thinking. Hmm. I mean, like, I'm just throwing it out there. Has It's gotten to his head of his success and, and everything. Well, we, we, we mentioned this last week. and I, I, I don't think selfish is, is the right word for it. I don't think he's act, doing these things because he's putting his needs above the team. I think he's doing these things. The thing we're talking about is namely, there was a very good counter-attack and if Salah squared it to Mane, Mane presumably would have scored a goal that would have been a uh, more convincing winner, but instead he decided to shoot. I don't think Salah is putting his individual needs ahead of the team. I think Salah is trying whatever he can possible to to conjure some form. Mm. Um, I, selfish is maybe the wrong word. I want to say worried. I want to say, yeah, Salah looks shook. 
you know some football players, some strikers just don't never look scared, and other ones do, right? It, uh, does this make sense to you at all? Yeah. Like Luis Suarez never looks scared. I've never seen that guy come to look on a football pitch and look scared. That guy, if it's one on one, he's going to shoot, and he doesn't look scared. He doesn't want to shake yeah, it. Yeah, well. He doesn't look worried. Aguero doesn't look scared either. Mm. Salah looks scared. I've seen Salah look scared, and maybe this is me putting a narrative on people I don't ever know. But no, no, no. Like Morata looks scared, bro. Like, Mor- like- Morata look- yeah, Morata <laughs> looks scared. Marcus Rashford never looks scared. Mm. Even when he's overwhelmed, he never looks scared to me. Salah looks scared and is scared right now. And then maybe I think that's why he he's playing in a in in this weird thing. But at the same time, if Salah wasn't being so driven to try and get his way out of this form, he wouldn't have been the last man back for the corner to to get the thing off to for Lloris to palm into Alderweireld. So you know, it worked. Have Have you guys done like um? I think it's Football London. They have this like predictor thing where you can just like guess what's going to happen with all the matches like you know how people do like weird things during international break so this is one of the things i saw where like you could basically pick every game that the top six teams are going to play and it'll give you like a table at the end and i was trying to figure out a way to get like chelsea in the top four you know how impossible this is like you you have to really think that they're gonna beat liverpool at anfield they're gonna beat united at old trafford like just weird results that are probably not going to happen. So I don't think Chelsea are in the top four conversation, really, especially because they could just lose to anybody. So I think Chelsea are going to stay sixth, and the only way they get in is the Europa League, which yeah, kind of leaves... Not, yeah, top four is not happening for Chelsea. Like, yeah, yeah, which leaves four. United, Spurs, Arsenal to battle it out for those last two spots. And I think in the one that I did, I think I had Spurs fifth. At the beginning of the year... People assumed City, Liverpool, that's the top two. And then Chelsea will be third. And it was going that way for a while. I think Chelsea played 11 games unbeaten. And then they fell away. And then Spurs kind of took that third spot. And I think people assumed for a very long time that Spurs are going to be third. And then the other three teams will fight for the last spot. But now it seems that team that's been assumed to be third, whether it's Chelsea or Spurs, it's, I don't want to say likely, but it's probable that they could finish sixth and fifth. I guess we could get into this now. What was Mourinho's record? Like, how many points were they behind uh, when he left? Like, 11 points behind or some crazy number like that? Like, I don't think people assumed United would be in this conversation, but they squarely are, mm. thanks to Ali's managerial whatever you want to call it. I don't, I don't even know exactly what he does, but just the good vibes that he brings. And uh, he's officially the Manchester United boss. Yep. I think they signed him on a, on a three-year contract. After this year, I'm assuming so three and a half year contract. Um, Carl, this is your this is your neck of the woods. What do you think about Ali being the permanent Manchester United manager? Eh, okay, he's not happy, man. <laughs> he's, so, he's not happy. He's not happy. Uh, subscribers to the Athletic will find I did a a deep dive. I did two. I did a near three thousand word article. What uh, on the uh, appointment of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer last week? So I weighed up all the pros and all the cons for 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 the appointment and basically once Rashford scored that penalty and United got past PSG it was a done deal Solskjaer was going to get the job it was mm. a mere formality it was a case of when rather than if and what was particularly interesting about the appointment is the when now so the fact that they announced it coming off the back of two defeats one t- it, coming off the back 
of two defeats, one in the league and one in the FA Cup to Wolves, and at the start of an internet and at the end of an international break, rather than at the end of the season, indicates that United, whatever work United want to get done in the summer, they're doing already. So there's already talk about Manchester United spending 100 million on Rafael Varane and then spending another, and spending another 100 million on Jaden Sancho. There's some conversation over the fact that they would like a centre back, a right back, and at least another central midfielder. Um, especially if this news about Ander Herrera possibly signing to PSG is true. So there's there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And it seems as if United have gone, let's give Solskjaer a job now, confirm it. So when we begin our negotiations in the summer, we can talk about we do have a manager, it's Solskjaer, and then we can sort out the director of football stuff now. So that's why it's happened. How I feel about it is, mm. so my whole thing is basically six into four cannot go. Wait, can't it? Six into four. Wait. Six into four cannot go. You can't put the top six teams. <laughs> oh, okay. No, 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 no. I was easy, relax. I was thinking about okay, okay, I get it, I get it, okay, okay. Yeah. yeah. So my thing is six into four cannot go. And if you and United need to make sure they're they're in the Champions League for the next five years, basically, because it's mm. it's getting hot. That race is getting more and more stretched. There will be a mini league within the top six in a in a short amount of time, I pretty much reckon. And United need to keep up. Um, and I said, instead of being romantic and hiring Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, you need to be absolutely ruthless. And the ruthless thing to do is to hire Pochettino. Not because Pochettino is a great manager or because he guarantees success in a way that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer doesn't guarantee success, but because when you take Poch from Spurs, Spurs will go poof, and then it becomes five into four. United had to be ruthless and had to go for a Bayern Munich style of strengthening yourself and weaken everyone else around you. And they've chosen not to do that because they want to. They want the in-house model, which look, it might work. And I think what's also particularly interesting is the length of the contract. The contract is three years, which is pretty pretty much the shortest amount of a contract you could have given that manager. So let's, let me really I've, and as I explained this a bit in the Athletic, Pep Guardiola is being linked to Juventus, and he's being linked to Qatar. Arsenal and Chelsea are both in transitional periods, and we don't know whether or not those new managers will stay or not. Mauricio Pochettino is constantly being linked to jobs around Europe. So he might not be here in three years either. Wolves are a thing now. So there is a chance that what in three years' time, as we've all been dealing with the Qatar 2022 World Cup and that being in the winter and silly season going on, the top six will not look like what the top six looks like now. The managers in the top six won't, look, won't be the same. The top players in the top six won't be the same. Everything could change. So in effect, what United have gone is gone to Solskjaer. You, look, mate, here's what the role is. It's three years. And you you yourself, Solskjaer has admitted that United aren't going to be able to win a Premier League until maybe 2020. So the job isn't to Solskjaer, hey, you have to win us a Premier League. But the job probably is to Solskjaer, you need to keep us in the top four until Pep and the rest of them are all like leave or whatever. So then the next manager, the manager who replaces you, can win the Premier League. That's what it feels like to me. It feels very much a bit like what a number of teams are doing in, in the NBA with Golden State Warriors of going, we can't beat the Golden State Warriors right now. So what we're going to do is we're just going to wait it out. Um, that's a very optimistic reading of the Solskjaer deal. If it works out, it works out. If it doesn't, which I don't think it will, okay, fine. So so your happiness level on a scale of 1 to 10 seems like a 4? Six, six, six. 6. I'm happy. Okay. I'm happy, but I have question marks i think there's some question marks over him that won't be answered until it's too late i mean i was watching espn fc and craig craig Burley made a very interesting um 
assessments of it. Because he was saying that this isn't a good move. They should have waited out and gotten Pochettino. My thing about it is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer ain't going to do what Ferguson has, has done. But you always have the risk thing. The fact that he has done well with these players. You, you wait out and you get a Pochettino. How do you know he's going to be successful? Before Van Hal took over, would anybody say anything against Van Hal's resume? Before Mourinho took over, would anybody say anything against Mourinho's resume? They had amazing resumes. They didn't do well for United. And Pochettino's resume ain't nothing on Van Hal or Mourinho's resume. So I just think that the wisest move to do was only going to share, give him the job. But the key thing is supporting. If he's not supported in the summer, it's it's, it's it'll be a failure. It'll be a flop. If they really support him, they are tenacious and they get those targets before other people and they really strengthen attacking wide man, controlling central midfielder, top tier central defender, wing back. Then I think United can can can, can definitely do some things next season. But again, Premier League it's just going to be so com competitive. I mean, Chelsea, I, I, <laughs> that's a whole different thing with the whole transfer ban. But Arsenal will get stronger, Tottenham will get stronger. City will get strong, Liverpool will get stronger. So I just think it's going to be very tough, or whatever the case. You bring up Chelsea. Let's let's talk about it. Oh Lord, do we have to? <laughs> he's, a, he's a psychopath. He's a psychopath. The biggest story over the international break, at least like from my timeline, which is obviously skewed in a particular direction, was Callum Hudson Odoi, England, that whole thing. So he plays against Montenegro and whoever else England played. And, Czech Republic. Uh, Czech Republic plays relatively well for your first couple senior England matches. And then Sari gets questioned. Like, and he's basically like, he gets he gets questioned about it so much that a woman asks him, I'm sorry if you've already talked about this, but Kalamatsu Nadoi, blah 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 blah. And <laughs> he's basically like, I don't want to talk about this anymore. Like he like shirks the question in a way. Um, so he's visibly frustrated about the media's incessant Callum Hudson-Odoi questions. And you get to a game against Cardiff. He's on the bench. Hazard's on the bench. Kante's on the bench. People look at the lineup and they're just like, bro, this this ain't it, man. <laughs> and first half ends 0-0. And then Cardiff go 1-0 up in the second half. And people are like, the crowd is saying, we want Sarriao, we want Sarriao. And I, I think a large part of this stems from you're not picking Callum Hudson-Odoi, but just generally speaking, your lineups aren't great. Mm. And it's it's putting the club in a, in, a, in a predicament, as it were. And then, as luck would have it, Chelsea scored offside equalizer, clearly <laughs> offside equalizer by like two yards. And then Ruben Loftus-Cheek gets a winner. Bro, his lineups, man. I just, you know, have hope. Just talk to me about the lineups. Basically, there are two explanations. The first one is he is the most stubborn, pathetic, petty moron on our planet. That's the first explanation. The second one is he's trying to get sacked and get his severance pay. We had this theory with Kante. Yeah. It's it's other one because, again, like, I mean, you're having a laugh. Okay, Hazard Kante, can you use the tiredness excuse? So, Barkley over Loftus-Cheek. William and, and Pedro, I call them William Nedro. You're either trying to prove a point or you're trying to get yourself sacked. But whatever the, the case may be, that's why, like, that whole Kepa thing now, I actually feel vindicated not so supporting you in it. A friend of the podcast, Michael Hardy, season ticket holder at Chelsea now, says that if there is if there is a legitimate reason for Hudson-Doy not getting a game time, it might have something to do with his defensive work. 
as we saw in the England game against Montenegro, in amongst all the disgusting racist chatting that we should discuss if we have not already discussed. Hudson Adoy didn't offer much coverage for Kyle Walker at right back position. Uh, and it was only when Hudson Doy swapped flanks to the left uh, and Sterling went to the right that Walker looked protected. And that's against Montenegro. Basically, Hudson Doy doesn't offer the same defensive protection as, as Willian and Pedro, who was schooled in the Pep Guardiola system. So there's that. However, I think what what both of you have said also hits on it. Basically, Sari is incredibly stubborn. And I think Sari it, it wants to make a point. Basically going, no, you don't get to dictate my team. I'm going to dictate who manage this team. I want to make an example of Hudson, of Hudson Adoy. I mean, not let me give him his proper name there, um, which is unfortunate. Hudson Adoy. I don't think he's getting a fair shake, and I, he's in that very weird space for all young players that don't get much game time, where basically our perception of them is getting increased to the point that what in this season Hudson Adoy has gone from being oh wow, he's a Chelsea player who could like get maybe three or four games would be amazing to going. No, he's, he's the real deal. He absolutely has to play. He's at least as good as Jaden Sancho. And we're going, really? I don't know. Maybe. How good is Hudson Adoy? I don't know how good he is. He seems good enough to start a game against Cardiff, but we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Now, let's talk about let's talk about how Neil Warner was about to catch a body. Yes, yes, yes. At first, when I saw the Espelicueta goal, I was like, Cardiff had been robbed because he was clearly offside. I don't know, like... Maybe that last defender, if the if the linesman wasn't really looking correctly, maybe he could have been tricked. Or maybe I thought he thought that Alonso didn't head the ball. A Cardiff player headed the ball. So then Alonso, not Alonso, Espelicueta would have been onside if a Cardiff player deflected it. But either way, he should have been able to see it. So I was like, they got robbed. But then, like 30 seconds later, I was like, wait a minute. Because they, they showed kind of like a close-up of the fans. And on the side, it had like R.I.P. Emiliano Sala. And I was like, hang on a second. Maybe this is kind of some karmic twist. Ooh. Like Neil, Neil Warnock will say, we were robbed, they were offside, this and that. Aren't you trying to rob Nets? Sounds like maybe it's one of those like, you know, God don't like ugly. Like y'all should have paid the money. Damn. And maybe y'all's karma would have been better if you believe in that kind of thing. So I was like, you know, they're trying to rob Nets. So it's not, not, not. I know. I know what it is. Yeah. I don't feel like speaking French. Nonsense. You know, maybe it's just uh, I'm not going to feel too bad for Cardiff. Pay them their money. Damn. Uh, yeah, uh, Neil Warnock's look to the to the manager, to the referee, and the linesman uh, spoke volumes. We're we're watching the Arsenal game right now, and on Monday Night Football, there's an interesting segment where basically Jamie Carragher wore VR VR headset and tried to show us how the linesman couldn't see how offside Aspilicueta was because William was stood in front of him, which I thought was uh, <laughs> uh, an interesting way to, to forgive the linesman for the decision. But no, it was, it was bad. Uh, there was conversation in the match today this week about how, you know, these things even out over a season. So Cardiff had a penalty for a foul against Watford that was that occurred outside the penalty area. So that was a sort of, oh, well, you know, that happens. And I th- but I think what's really sad was that Cardiff were good. Cardiff played great against Chelsea. Warnock said they basically used the entire international break to prepare for that game and said we had a game plan carried out perfectly. And we had the bear of that Chelsea side, which they did. That game was boring. And in, in that game was boring and dull in a way that even if Sari had started in Golo Canto and Nazard, I think Cardiff would have had the bear of him because nah. Sari ball is... <laughs> 
Sorry, Ball is Sorry Ball in this version. Maybe it's maybe it's mean for us to, to call whatever is being played as Sorry Ball because really Sorry only has Jorginho and uh, on loan faded uh, Higuain to to implement what he wants. But mate, this ain't it, Chief. Sorry, Ball in this situation can can you can be you can be got at. So now what happens? I don't think Chelsea will end up in the in the top four places. However, they are. They are, you know, by any estimate, the favourites to win the Europa League. So maybe that's their way to get in. Just quickly, can we Neil Warnock's hairline? What is that, man? He's sixty, bro. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. He has a hairline. He's sixty. <laughs> it's just like I was like I, I was thinking like if Neil Warnock was black, how would he be judged? Because like you know how people get on like Mane or Stephen A. Smith or people like that. Like who who is who, who is he fooling? Mane. Stephen A. Smith's hairline is is trash, man. People get on that all the Bruh. time. Wow, <laughs> Carl, <laughs> Carl, man, you need to get more into with like the United States, bro. Like Stephen A. Smith's hairline is a continuous point of contention. Damn, it's bad, but oh it's, it's it's it's, it's like <laughs> it's very very bad. <laughs> people like that just go bald. Just I mean, sometimes some people. Not, everyone, not everyone's got the head. Not everyone's got the head for that, man. When I shave my head bald. I was a very much, oh God, please tell me I got the skull for this. It's hard. Sound like here. Not everyone looks like Drogba when they shave it bald. <laughs> Drogba still looks kind of weird when he, because he's, but that's, but that's because I'm used to the perm, you know? Oh, yes. I got something great for you about the day Drogba to come out on the BBC. Um, so by the time you will listen to this. Oh, is this, is this oh. the uh, Naughty Boys? Naughty Boys, uh, DJ Drogba version should be on the BBC ah. tomorrow. So look forward to that I'm ready, as well. I'm ready, I'm ready. The, the Army one was very good, by the way. Um, so thank you. Double H, talk to me about what's going on in Germany, man. Well, we have ourselves a title race. I still believe Ban will win, but let's, let's just, just to see what happens. So both teams were equal on points, but um Bayern and Nickel were had a better goal difference, so they were on top only by goal difference. So Bayern and Nickel away to Freiburg, you would assume that would be a win. Dortmund at home to Wolfsburg. Still shaky, you assume they will both win. Bayern Munich, for some reasons, they decided to drop points against against Freiburg. Freiburg's opening goal, Mats Hummels was at fault. Lewandowski scored an amazing goal, but he also missed a great chance, so 1-1. For Dortmund, 89th minute, Palco Alcacer rifles in a, 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 a free kick, 21-0. 93rd minute, counter-attack, Jadon Sancho, one of the most exciting players in the world right now. Beautiful piece of skill, cuts back. Um, it might have been Maximilian Arnold or whoever there was a striker was. Great dummy, Paco Alcacer, second goal. One of the most informed strikers right now. So Dortmund winning that 2-1. They now go two points clear. And this coming Saturday, Bayern are at home to Dortmund. So Ooh. it just makes things extremely, extremely exciting in the Bundesliga. Yeah, if you're a striker for any team, I think I, I might pick Dortmund, you know. Like their their record is like incredible. Yeah, but but if you're a striker for Dortmund, you'll probably be on the bench because Alcatraz doesn't start every every game though. So no, but it's just like if you look at their past, what? Oh no! If you want to talk about lineage, if you want to talk about lineage, no one can talk about Atletico Madrid. Atletico Madrid's lineage has been a one. No, no, I I mean I mean like obviously yeah, you can go through Torres, Aguero, Falcao, etc. With with Atletico, but I I mean like if you just look at their past four strikers, Lewandowski. When they bought him, would you expect him to be as good as he was? Probably not, but he was. Obama Yang, same story. 
And then they get Batshuayi. Batshuayi bangs gold. This is how Paco Akathea is banging gold. So it's just like if you play with Royce, Kagawa, Goza, Pulisic, now Sancho, you just play with a bunch of number 10s who are happy to feed you the ball, you're going to get goals. You're just going to bang goals. It's just crazy. Like if you look at probably Lewandowski's goal rate, Aubameyang's goal rate, what Paco's doing now, like that's a club that if you're a striker, you're like, I want to play at a club like that where I'm going to get fed, force fed. Just a just a quick thought. Um, I'm trying to think of is there anything else interesting in Germany at the moment? No, 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 no. Look, that's that's really the the main thing. <laughs> and, 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 I, mean, I mean, look, I mean, France. We already know what's what's happening there. Is pretty much happening. I mean, La, La La Liga. I think it's done. But Barcelona play Atletico Madrid this um, week week weekend. So um, okay, so that's the wrap though. When you watch Messi play, like in in La Liga, what are your thoughts? Like your general thoughts of like the the competition. La Liga technically is the best league in the world. For on-the-ball skill and ability, it's the best league in the world. That doesn't mean that it's the toughest or the most physical. I think the Premier League is tougher and more physically tasking. So as much as an amazing it is, what Messi does, because still amazing, it's still amazing, whoever you do it against, I don't think Messi would be able to do these kinds of things on a regular basis in, in the Premier League based on no winter break, the physicality, how quick the game is, how, how fast it, it, it is. And just how much stronger the players you're playing up against in the Premier League are compared to those in La Liga, where La Liga is much more focused on technical ability. Premier League, you get you get some guys from from the road who just wanna like pretty much punch you in the face. So, Carl, 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 quickly, um, could you find how many goals Glenn Murray has this season, like quickly? Glenn Murray. Yeah, I'm so curious. So, so is, is Aguero's on 18, isn't it? Or is it 19? Glenn Murray has 12 goals this season. So Glenn Murray has 12 Premier League goals. And you no, think 11, 11 goals this season. 11. Okay. So Glenn Murray has 11 Premier League goals. And people actually think Messi would come here and struggle. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think anyone's saying Messi's going to struggle no more. Yeah. Like uh, that, that whole argument of, yo, can Messi do it in the Premier League? Bro, if Glenn Murray can do it, I'm pretty sure. Hey, hey, you hey. Know, let's Messi not disrespect Glenn Murray. I, I'm respect. not disrespecting, but there are levels to this shit, man. There's levels to this. Glenn Murray's out here playing like a homegrown Karim Benzema right now, okay? There is no one in Europe's top five leagues over the age of 30 with more goals than Glenn Murray. No, made that up. Made that up entirely. Forget what you I just totally said. totally made Because Ronaldo is over 30, YG. Yep, I know, I know. <laughs> Messi I said really it. I know. Nope, that's wrong. That's the wrong set. Never mind. <laughs> Do you know what? Okay, if you go over, I, Glenn Murray. Let, I'll, now I'm I'm compelled to look this up. Glenn Murray is 35. If you say 35, then you might 35. have 35. Right? Yeah, Glenn Murray 35 has 11 Premier League goals. So this whole messy, can he do it? Can he not? Like, stop, please. I hate that argument so much. And I'm not even no, like no, a no, crazy no. messy guy, but but no, no, no. For me, I've I have never said that oh, Messi can't do it in the Premier League. I just said he would. Yes, you have. Yes, you have. <laughs> no, I haven't. Yes, you have. In January, on a rainy day against Stoke. That's what I said. Yeah, yeah, a, you said it as a joke, but, bruv, I know you said it. <laughs> I know you've put that nonsense in the atmosphere. I know the exact episode you did as well. Don't play with me. Look, man, let Messi play for Scunthorpe, man. <laughs> Why is it always Scunthorpe with you? Why is that, like, your go-to town? It sounds funny, man. Scunthorpe just sounds funny, man. It's like, got a swear word in the middle of it. That's why. Yeah. 
I like dagging them in Redbridge when I'm disrespecting people. I don't know why, but that sounds funny to me. No, 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 no. Nothing beats Scunthorpe. Like, like Scunthorpe just epitomizes, like, okay, that's from the road. Like, Scunthorpe. <laughs> from the road. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, anyway, okay. let's keep going. Yeah. Uh, questions? You guys want to take a question? Yeah, let's, let's go into questions now. Well, a quick conversation about uh, Sariel very quickly. So, Lazio beat Inter Milan. Um, so that's fifth beat in third, which has made the uh, the Serie A top four race very interesting as well. Um, Inter Milan, 53 points in third. AC Milan, 51 points in fourth. And Lazio are in fifth with 48 points. So the, the Serie A is having a very similar who's going to end up in the top four positions, which is quite nice when that happens. No, but also like just on the Inter points. So basically, Icardi has been training, but he wasn't included in the squad for the team, and Spalletti came out and said that um, if somebody that doesn't have any kind of credibility doesn't deserve to be in the team, and people that have more credibility have earned their spots in the team. So, shots, shots, shots fired, man. Shots fired. Mm. Icardi is pretty much still in exile. That's insane. They, they, they stripped him of the captaincy. I mean, that that's the biggest yeah. kind of clue as to what's going on over there. By the way, like that, did, did you guys see Donnarumma's mistake? You know, I haven't seen it yet, man. Bro. And I, I think they lost 1-0, AC Milan. So it's, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. He basically he passed it to the striker. The striker just put it in. It was bad. What? Was so no, I'm just looking at the Donnarumma thing. <laughs> what? <laughs> I told you. He just passed it uh, to the guy. It was right, just like, like it has, Because I still feel like he's going to be one of the best keepers in like six, seven years. But he just has these moments, man. Yeah, but how old is he? Like nineteen still, twenty maybe? Well, yeah, no, no, I, I don't think he's, he's even twenty. I think he, he's nine, nineteen. Yeah, it's like he's very young. He's gonna be one of those guys that has like six hundred, seven hundred appearances. So yeah, let's let's get to your questions. This this relates kind of to the Cardiff point from Black Emoji. Thoughts on hypocrisy in football? You score an offside goal, it's all good. An offside goal gets scored on you, burn it all down. <laughs> Pete. People are tribalists, and I think we kind of go on this point a lot on this podcast. But like, if something good happens to you and yours, it's all right. If something bad happens to the other guys, then you know, so be it. It's it's just uh, the the nature of the beast in some ways. Yeah, pretty much. I like VAR until VAR gives a decision against my team, basically. No, 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 <laughs> no. But England need VAR because England and Spain have the worst refereeing in the world. So factually incorrect. Factually correct. Factually no, no, England, incorrect. England and Spain have the worst referee. No, Not a single not English referee was asked to be a referee at the last World Cup. You, you, you realize Would you that? like to know why? Why? Because the delegate for the referee for the referee association for FIFA was Mark Clattenburg. Mark Clattenburg left English refereeing to go referee in the Middle East. That's why there were no English referees at the World Cup. It has nothing to do with the standards of our referees. English so referees only, are just you, good. You can, you, can, you can only send one of your representatives? You get, one, you get one representative to represent your referee union or mm -hmm. association to FIFA as an organizing body. And the head of the English one was Clattenburg. And, and when Clattenburg left, Arabia, right, yeah. he went to Saudi Arabia and there was no one to replace him. So therefore, no English referees got to go to the World Cup. It's got nothing to do with England's standard of refereeing. It's basically the guy who puts your name forward wasn't there anymore. Who's so? Who's the number one England referee now? Atkinson. Uh, 
I don't know. I don't know who's replaced Clattenburg. I, I should. Mike I should Dean. <laughs> we give Mike Dean a lot of gas. And look, no, no, yes, no, 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 no. This pause. Could you imagine Mike Dean refereeing a World Cup final? You don't think he'd <laughs> fuck that up? That'll be the best. <laughs> the whole world is watching me. Is what he's thinking. Like you guys aren't here to watch France, Croatia. You're here to watch me. No, 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 no. But for me, no. I believe that Spain. I still say Spain has the worst refereeing, followed by England. I believe. And I, and I think the best is Italy. I think Italians have the best referees. Just based on me looking at the games and mistakes being made in the different leagues, the kind of mistakes and consistency of, of mistakes that I see from English referees and Spanish referees is far more than I see in almost any league, Dutch league, um, Italian league, French league, and, and so forth. I mean, German okay, league but, as well. Yeah, but see, like, I, I think you're, you, you mean major leagues, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I've watched... Uh, like specials, some from Africa, like BBC Africa documentaries or whatever. You guys know about Anas, like the undercover Ghanaian uh, reporter, journalist dude? And like mm -hmm. his team basically bribed a bunch of African referees, like when in an international tournament, and people would just take him money. <laughs> so <laughs> so I, I think if we open this up to like a global debate in like South America or Africa or Asia, perhaps. Like, I'm pretty sure there are worse referees than some in England because perhaps nobody's taking money in England. Um, all right. Is Pogba the midfield Balotelli? Seems like he has some games what? he just doesn't care or he has mentally checked out for Real Madrid already from Patrick. Uh, midfield Balotelli. Oof. No, 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 no. no. I think the no, thing with Pogba is you have to know the player he's. Pogba is not a controller. He's an impact midfielder who is versatile. I think that the mistake that United have is that they are asking him to control. But when you look at when Pogba is at his best, at Juventus, Pierlo was the controller. At In France, Kante does the DM work, cleanup work. Matsuidi does the engine work. Pogba does the, let me make that key pass, let me make that critical pass. So they all have that defense. So France is weird because they don't really have a guy who really controls. But because they are a pragmatic defensive team, they don't really need that because they don't really hold on to possession. But the thing with United is you're, you're trying to not make him, oh, he's the dictator and the creator. He sometimes can do that because he's versatile. He can be a creator. He can be a defensive guy. He can be an attacking guy. But he isn't consistently one thing. Like Modric, Verratti, and Javier work are consistently controllers. So that's not the case for him, homeboy. So I agree with Hafo. Yeah. Uh, I think what was particularly interesting after the Watford game, so United beat Watford 2 1, was uh, Solskjaer said he might have to change the role that Pogba plays for United and give him a similar one to that of France, where Pogba plays in a deeper role. Um, yeah, he's not, he's not the typical six that many thought he was at the start of his career. Pogba is amazing at retain the ball in physical one-on-ones he's six foot two he is 12 to 13 stone when that guy is on a one-on-one -on -one battle with someone he can be Musa Dembele levels of you ain't getting the ball off me he, but that doesn't mean he should be a defensive midfielder and that is why Deschamps shouldn't have made him the number six in the Euro 2016 final well hey synchronicity <laughs> um Musa Okwonga, uh, fantastic journalist currently living in Berlin, recently raised the interesting question about is there a player who has a great who has a greater disparity between his good performances and his bad ones? Um, and people suggested players like David Luiz, players like Sergio Ramos, 
players like Gonzalo Higuain, and also I mentioned Pogba. Paul Pogba, when Paul Pogba has a bad game, he has a stinker. When Pogba has a great game, he can win a World Cup final. And I think that's the maddening frustration with Pogba, that alongside the fact that he once again seems to be hinting at going away in the summer. His comments about how Real Madrid would be every single player's dream. So maybe he wants to go play with Zinedine Zidane. So we'll see what happens next. Yo, if they get Pogba and Hazard in one window, woof. Yeah. Next. Um, so, do you know what? Midfield Balotelli, though, that's fucked up. <laughs> that's like, that's that's going too far. It's fucked up, especially because Balotelli's having quite a good second half seven, of the season. Se- seven goals in nine games for Marseille this season. So he's doing like he's, he's doing, he's doing right. well. He's doing well. And also, I don't in, know, including an Instagram live celebration. So very good. What? Um, by the way, um, I don't know if you, if if you guys have the time, you could check out the Griezmann documentary that's on Netflix. Um, it's it's obviously slanted in a particular direction, but um, one of the things I picked up from that, well, two things really, is they kind of stayed away from mentioning Mbappe, which I thought was funny. And the second thing was Pogba is a leader. Like, he's the main guy in the dressing room. Um, Like, when they were celebrating the World Cup, he was the one with the microphone. Just like everybody's put your L's in the air for Griezmann because of the, I guess it's a Fortnite celebration that he does. So, while he might be inconsistent, at least he's someone who you can look at as like he's a leader in the dressing room in some ways. I wouldn't say Balotelli is a leader necessarily. All right, next question. It's a good documentary though. Don't get me wrong. Um, how differently would you guys view Messi had he chosen to represent Spain's national team and won a World Cup slash Euros by now from AJ Cool? So Messi was eligible for Spain? He could have been, but you know. Do you, do you know what I always say about those those things? I just think like it's the way the world and universe works. Spain can never have a player like Messi because Messi isn't a Spanish is not a, does not play like a Spanish player. He plays like an Argentine. So as much as he's been in Spain all his time, he's been in in Barcelona, the way in which he plays and his individuality is an Argentine trait. Like it's not a Spanish trait. Like Spanish football is very much about team. It's not really about an, an individual doing things their own. Argentine football, you always have those two, three psychotic um, heroes on, on that team, and that's what Messi is about. So, again, like just for argument's sake, if Messi was for Spain, then like look, these guys pretty much win every throw, throw like then they're pretty much unbeatable. <laughs> so, yeah, for sure. Um, let's go to this one. Has a team chasing a title ever had more luck than Liverpool this season? It's, it's an interesting one, right? So, Real Mahrez oh, missed the 85th minute penalty at Anfield. In the initial no no draw, no no draw between yeah. them, yeah. Then Jordan Pickford did that howler in the Merseyside derby, and Hugo Reese now has had that blunder in the 90th minute. Liverpool have had a very good have a Liverpool are a great defensive side. Okay, let's, let's get that out there right now. Liverpool conceded 19 goals this season, 19 goals in 32 games. Liverpool should have conceded at least five more. Now, that is down to one, Virgil van Dijk being a fantastic centre-back and two, Alisson being a fantastic goalkeeper. But also due to just three or four freak occurrences that have helped them turn potential draws into wins. Liverpool absolutely deserve to be 
at the top of the table and where and in that tire race. But they have they've had a nice stroke of luck. And that's all I have to say about that. Wouldn't the luckiest team kind of be like Leicester though? In the in terms of maybe <laughs> maybe not like in terms of what they did, but what everyone else did in terms of City were off, United were off, Arsenal were off, Chelsea were off. No, nah, don't Spurs, do that, guys. Not that. Don't, don't do that. Spurs do are that. Spurs, and then no, nah, no, nah, come on, don't don't do that. Don't don't do that. Don't 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 bring the whole lot into Leicester. That's just oh well. Look, I'm, I'm not going to say Leicester were lucky. So nah. what what we what I've been constantly doing in my writing in terms of um, trying to explain XG and whatnot and all the stats is saying that it is not enough to win a, to be a good team. And it's not enough to be a lucky team. You have to be both lucky and good. And in most cases you have to be lucky and great. Depending on how much luck you have, will alter how good you are. So let's get this right out of the way. This Liverpool side is on track to finish the Premier League season with at least 90 points, possibly even 95 plus. Right, Liverpool are going to finish this season with a points total that will probably make them champions in nearly every single Premier League season of all time, apart from maybe three. And the problem is, one of those three is this is Manchester City last year. Another one will be Manchester City this year if City beat them to it. There's a very, very good chance if Liverpool don't win the Premier League, there will be the highest points total ever for a runner-up, which is kind of sad, funny because. The last, like the current champions who are highest ever runners up is Liverpool as well. That's your luck. That's fine. <laughs> Liverpool have also had some lucky performances in the Premier League this so far this season. And that's fine. City have been lucky too. But City have also had a, a number of performances that are just better. So, next question. Uh, what will be Pep's legacy if he loses this Premier League and also gets bounced out in the Champions League? Pep's legacy. What do you mean legacy? Pep's legacy is this, right? Manchester City Premier League champions 100 points, right? And if Pep doesn't win the Premier League title this season, the legacy will be Pep's legacy. Manchester City win the Prem- come second in the Premier League with 95 points. Like, let's, let's really put this in. in. Pep Guardiola had a bad first season. No, I, no, I was just going to say quickly, and I'll let you finish already cut you, but Pep's legacy isn't reduced to what he does at Manchester City. Like Pep's legacy starts in Barcelona. And wins was it two or three Champions Leagues at Barcelona? Don't just start it with there, because we're talking about the men, not necessarily what he's doing at this club. But go ahead. Let's put this in context. He had he he had a relatively bad first season in England. Then his second season in England, he set a Premier League record and has and created one of the best Premier League sides of all time. And in his third season, now he's either gonna set another Premier League record or the team that defeats him will have had to set another would have had to set a Premier League record to beat him. Right, there's it's not there is no way to spin Pep Guardiola as a bold fraud for what he did in the Premier League. <laughs> right? right? How? He's a record he's a record setting manager, right? He's he's probably the best foot manager in the world. That arguably is pro- is fading away rapidly. He's probably the best foot manager in the world. Yeah, fine, he's had unlimited money, but the football he's doing is pound for pound, if you want to do that ridiculous argument. Is pound for pound effective? Um, and like, if you want to talk about the Champions League, what if he gets bounced at the Champions League? Then I'll just say, look, it, it's the Champions League. The winner of the last three Champions Leagues got there because they were they had Cristiano Ronaldo rather than the fact that they were playing some sort of era dominant football. Things happen. Mm. 
Last there, there is oh. there is nothing you can say about how Liverpool or Manchester City have played this season that make me believe either team is deserving of being called bottlers or chokers because both of those sides are historically good. Both of those sides are better than at least 35 teams to oh ever my. play in Premier League history. Next question. Last question that we have today. It's more of like a scenario. Um, Savion the Great asks, player power versus club power. Say you are inter-management and your club is financially healthy. You have two choices. Sell your best player to Juventus at a discount price or bench the player until his contract expires as a statement, then he leaves on a free. What do you do? You got to sell him. But then he gets what he wants. Look, you got to sell him because you got it's he, so the best club, well, the best worst club at, at the second option is Schalke. So Schalke has lost. Schalke I said the best worst. So Schalke frequently let players run down contracts, right? They will frequently go, oh, this guy wants to leave. He ain't going to sell him. He has to sit on the bench and just ruin his life, right? That's Schalke's thing. Schalke will much rather lose money than sell the player that wants to leave. And yeah, cool. Maybe they've sent a message. But at the same time, Schalke's left, let hundreds of millions, hundreds of millions go through their fingers due to bad contracts and possible blobs if you have a player that wants to leave the best option is always to go hey do you mind giving us a suarez season or an hazard season or a cristiano ronaldo season where you give us one more season of your, your production and then we'll make sure we'll do everything in our power to give you the move you want but if it's either or then sell them sell them sell them when their value is at their highest so hopefully are at the peak of their powers and then you get 50 60 million in your back pocket to go buy a replacement rather than having 50, 60 million um, depreciating value while he's riding the bench and possibly causing further problems in your uh, dressing room. Because it's not the fact that a player's sat on your bench. Just because their bench is not playing for your team doesn't mean that story ends there. Because depending on who you believe in the Paul Pogba is a virus story, Paul Pogba wasn't just sitting there when Mourinho was telling him he's bad. Paul Pogba was also saying stuff to other Manchester United players that made other Manchester United players go, now, hang on. Why am I here? So it's nearly always easier to get rid of the player and get some money rather than have that value go down and have an angry player at your club. Yeah, I mean, you're running a business at the end of the day. So there's no good if you have a 50 million pound player and you just sit him on the bench and then he runs out his contract and you get no money. Like, yeah, you prove a point. But as you say, like, if you just want to use the Schalke example, like they're still having problems that multiple players would have to do it. So I would assume like after the first or second time, why won't you just, all right, we'll sell you, even if we get 30 million and you're worth 50. As you say, we can then use that money to improve the team. 1,000% sell. Because one of the, the key things is the dressing room more morale. If you If the dressing room morale isn't there, you'll lose that, you're screwed. You're completely screwed. So... Um, especially if it's an influential player that many people may like or something, get that jettison the guy the hell out of there. This guy gives us the scenario that you're inter mm. and you have to sell to Juventus if you're going to sell. So does that change the equation for you guys at all? That like if if let's say let's say let's just use a Cardi for example. Mm. You have a Cardi, he's clearly a problem, the manager doesn't like him, what have you. Do you let his contract run out if he has like two years left on his deal? 
or do you sell them to Juventus now and improve them in your league? Like it's it's a different thing. Oh, wait, 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 wait. But if his contract runs down, wouldn't he still go to Juventus? But not in those two years, you see. No, you sell them to Juventus because also you take 70 million off Juventus's pockets as well. But oh wait, you want the player you want you want you want the player that we don't want right now, and we also get to take 70 million of your money so we can spend it on someone that you can't get it afterwards. Take the money. Absolutely take the money. Mm. Ted Nutson, gentleman at Statsbomb, used to work for Brentford and he told me all about some of the uh, dark arts of transfer bids and how some clubs will deliberately put bids in for players, not because they want them, because they want to increase the asking price on a player by five million for a rival. There's levels to this, man. This is business. If I'm into Milan and Juventus want a Cardi for 70 million, I'll say make it 75. That way, I take 75 million of Juventus's money. I get rid of a problem player, and then I go off and buy Balotti, or I go off and buy another proven player in Serie A, so I can bridge that gap even further. Because mm. not only are you, because Juventus are inheriting a player whose best years may or may not be behind them, they're also inheriting the problem that was Icardi as well. This is what Roma did to Inter Milan when Roma went, "Oh man, Nangolan is causing so much problems. We've got all these young players." How do we sort this out into it? Hey, you want Nangalan? Hey, can we have Nangalan? Like, yeah, go for it. Hmm. And now Nangalan's causing the problems in Inter Milan, not at Roma. And Roma, yeah, the Premier League, the Serie A table isn't looking as good as it used to be for Roma. But Roma, like, yeah, this that was the right thing to do. I see. It's it, for me, it's a bit weird. Like, I don't know if I want to sell you in the league. Like, if I can find a, a buyer that's in England no. or that's in Spain, then I'm selling you there. If if, oh, if yeah. you want to go and and I can do it. But if you're is, Inter and, you're tr- and, and, and your goal is trying to catch Juventus and you're selling them the best striker in that league, ugh, I don't actually... I, I, yeah, like, like, yeah, I'm, I'm, like, I'm not sure that I can do that, you know. I mean, I've been selling to a team that you're trying to compete against. I don't know. But, th- but then again, like maybe in this equation, nothing you do with that $75 million is going to stop Juventus from winning the league a tenth time. So maybe you are better off just getting the money and <laughs> just like viewing it that way. Like, no, no, no matter what we do, we're not going to win. So if we're not going to win, we might as well get money. And and that's our win in some ways. I don't know. It's an interesting scenario. I didn't think that question would be asked. But uh, so that's the end of the questions. We have an extra to record, so we can leave this here. Um, so this has been the Talking Tactics Podcast. Remember, we do this every Tuesday. Follow us on social media. All the links are in the description um, on Twitter. Instagram, Facebook, SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple. You can find it in there. Um, Half Hope, where can the people find you? You can find your boy at Half Hope Hot on Twitter and their Half Hope on Instagram. I know they're two different names. Sue me. Carl Anko, where can people find you? Anchorman616. Oh. Remember to check out CNN. Woo! <laughs> Drug was coming soon? Tomorrow. I'm at Daniel to look, where I talk in tactics once again. Sometimes funny. Sometimes serious. Always footballer. Indeed. We'll see you guys next week. Peace. Peace. Sports Social Podcast Network.